Hey mamas, it's me, Cat B. Welcome to the Days Are Long podcast. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Come join us for some real talk about motherhood. We are here to collaborate, commiserate, hopefully cheer you up and cheer you on. Uh, we're basically here for all of it. So let's dive in. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back. This is the Days Are Long podcast. I am Kat. I'm so glad you're here today. You are in for a treat. You get to listen in on my conversation with Maddie, the boundary babe. And yes, we are going to talk all things boundaries. What the heck really is a boundary? How do you create one? How do you maintain one? And like, why do you even need to do this in your life? But trust me when I say, you need to do this in your life. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Um, this is a really fascinating discussion. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did, and I'll see you on the other side. So I'm here today with Maddie, the Boundary Babe. Hey, Maddie. Hi. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so excited to talk to you today about the topic of boundaries. It's like such an important one. It's one that seems to come up all the dang time. And we're heading into the holiday season right now. It comes up a lot for everyone, I think, um, and for parents and moms in particular. Um, so super excited to dig into this with you. Before we get into it, maybe I could turn it over to you to give us a quick intro about yourself and like how did you get into this work I'm so curious yeah so my name's Maddie I am a somatic educator um, a mindfulness coach and a digital creator and so for the last 17 years I had been practicing and teaching yoga and as my clients got more complex needs and I got more complex needs, I started to um, dive into like the somatic aspect and releasing trauma in the body. And while I was doing that, I was um, in a pretty abusive relationship and I ended up having um, something that I would say is the equivalent to assault happening. And when that happened, I had already had complex PTSD, but it triggered something inside of me that like really shook up my system to a point that I had created, I had an autoimmune problem where I was storing carbon monoxide in my body wow. based on the amount of stress that I had. And so when it was explained to me that like the reason why I was getting so sick and I was always stressed was um, something that was coming from inside myself, I realized that like, it didn't really matter how much yoga or breath work or healthy eating that I had. There was something much deeper that needed to be shifted. And for me, that was learning boundaries. And so I spent the idea for the boundary babe started about four years ago. And so for the last year, I've been building the guidebook, which is about 70, 80 pages, the full 10-week course, the meditations, the frameworks, and then just having it reviewed by psychologists and coaches to make sure that it's good. And I have created a course called The Boundary Babe, which is a 10-week journey spaced over 13 weeks to help you identify your boundaries 
rewire limiting beliefs and heal unneeded patterns, and then how to communicate your boundaries, have a framework of people that you need to step away and to stay firm in your choices moving forward. Relationship-wise, I think a lot of us can relate to that. Like everybody's got something that they're dealing with either currently or recently or, you know, and, and to feel like your body is fighting against you or you don't really know how to like how to move forward um and like get the yoga the breath work all the stuff I think is great and I do a lot of that too but yes this boundaries piece I feel like is I'm I'm it's so neat that I think you found that as like the missing puzzle piece for you and why is it worth like why is it worth doing this work like how what are the benefits like you know we're all out here being like I'm tired put your energy and time into well, the reason why you're tired as fuck is because you don't have boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Yep. Oftentimes, like people that don't have boundaries, we have a tendency to put our needs in front of everyone else's and to um, almost gaslight ourselves into believing that if we are self-sacrificing, that we are helping the people around them and that that's better for them. Mm -hmm. But realistically, when you don't have boundaries, everybody is getting an inauthentic version of you, a version of you that is not well and that can't show up as who you truly are. And so you're doing a disservice to yourself because you're depleting and betraying yourself. And then you're doing a disservice to your partner, your children, your family, the people around you, because you're building up these quiet resentments towards them and they have no idea what's going on. And it creates this like huge divide. Mm -hmm. um, it's really, really hard to like identify if you can't identify that depleting yourself is not the solution to these issues. Yeah. And that's, I think that's very relatable to like the quiet resentments and the sort of getting, I, I feel like people say a lot of the time in life, but like in motherhood, especially like waking up one day and being like, how did I get here? Like, how did, how did this happen where I've got all of these commitments all of these obligations and it feels like too much to mm -hmm. try and like change those things because it's like maybe maybe you have started to realize that you've been betraying yourself and this is not who you truly want to be and what you how you truly want to be like living um when you think about like motherhood it is a self-sacrificing journey like you literally shift your entire body to create this child and when you come out of that, like you are not the person that you knew before that point for a very long time and really even ever again, just the physical and hormonal changes that you go through when having a baby, this depletion of sleep, the fact that you're feeding something from your body. And so you're always sharing your resources like that in itself can activate the limbic system. And oftentimes when we have an activated limbic system we aren't thinking like what's the best for me we're thinking what is the easiest way for me to survive and when that happens it can be easier it's easier to speak up for yourself to not speak up for yourself mm -hmm. than to like choose to have a fight and it's really like if from like a sociological standpoint 
you know that you need your family and you need your kids to survive, especially if you've just gone through birth or if you're financially dependent on someone. Mm -hmm. And that in itself can create a lot of fear in the body of like, if this person abandons me or if my child does not turn out well, I'm not going to be okay. And that is an intense amount of pressure pressure and it's like people don't give women the grace of like well think about what how big the loss is especially based on the sacrifice that you just made and it's not that parenthood isn't like an absolutely beautiful journal and journey and fulfilling and worth it but like the actual process of motherhood is not explained well. And there is not a lot of supportive framework for women, especially in the first years. Everybody thinks about pregnancy and birth and nobody thinks about this baby comes out and then it's with me forever. And it's taking half of my brain at least every day. Yes, 100% yes. It's, it's like the prenatal care needs to be so much more focused on like what, what mom's going through after birth and that there's just none of it. And I feel like we've been left, you know, the women in society have been left almost to our, ourselves to like find that support and find those resources. And we're like supplying it for each other because it's not readily available. It's not part of the system. It's not something that gets talked about a lot. Um, so yeah. Okay. And, but can we like step back just briefly and be like what like tell us like what is a boundary because I feel like the term gets used a lot I'm sure it means different things in different contexts but like what in its most sort of like core sense like what is a boundary so for like a person a boundary is the ethical social or physical preference that that individual chooses so it's going to be different than anyone but your boundary is the social contract that you have with yourself and what you'll put up with and then for the people around them, the boundary is the bridge that they have to follow to get access to you. Okay. Love this. So it's the ethical, you said ethical, social, or physical preference Pre of the individual person. Ethical, social, or physical preference. Yes. Yeah. Boundaries as a bridge. Like, can you maybe expand on that? Like, why why do boundaries act as a bridge and as a, as a way for people to access us? Yeah, a lot of people think that boundaries are about keeping people out, but boundaries are really about keeping people in. And when you're not setting your boundaries, you are going to deplete it to the point that you have to push people out in order to take care of yourself. And so when you tell someone like, when you set like a basic boundary, like my kids sleep in the afternoon, if you want to call me, please text first. Like that is the bridge. You can talk to me, but I need you to text first and check in that I have the capacity to talk to you without my phone ringing and it waking up my child. That's what I need. So the bridge is the text, right? Or like, if we are going to delegate tasks with each other, mm -hmm. like here is the clear outline of the tasks. If you want X, Y, and Z from me, um, then this these are the bridges that you have to cross to have that access. And it bridges, a lot of people think that boundaries have to be like really rigid, but they don't. Like boundaries can 
sometimes be a negotiation point depending Mm -hmm. on the weight that they have in your life like there are some things that are non-negotiable boundaries for me Mm -hmm. and there are some things that that I have pretty like flexible boundaries with depending on the in the relationship I have the value I put on the relationship and the value that I put on that situation in my course we spend a lot of time figuring out our values and what we want and doing the foundational work of like clarifying who you are, where you want to go, what you need. So that when you set a boundary, it's not this like abstract um, conversation. It's more of a very clear, these are my needs. Um, if, If you want access to me, this is what I need from you. Like very simply. It's nice to hear it put so simply because it feels like this big sort of scary, like unknown, unapproachable like thing. Like, oh, I have to set a boundary with this person. I have to set a boundary with my mother-in-law because she wants us to stay, like just to use like a timely example, like she wants us to stay late at their house on Christmas Eve, but that's going to mess up the kids' bedtimes and sleep schedules and they're going to be cranky. And like, how do I, how do I leave a situation like that? And I guess- if that's one of your values, one of your like family values is sort of preserving your quality time and your <laughs> your sleep, then I guess like, is it obviously it's better to do these things beforehand, but like, what if you haven't, or what if you couldn't, or like, what if you were too scared to set that boundary beforehand? Can you still do it like in the heat of the moment? Yeah. Or, uh, how could you do it? Absolutely. You can. Boundaries don't have to be complicated. You can say, in order for my children to have a good day the next day, they need to be home by 8.30 p.m., which means that we'll be leaving at 7.30. Um, can we adjust the schedule to meet this? Or we will be leaving at 7.30. And then when somebody doesn't respect your boundary, that's really good information to have. And it helps you prepare for future situations. But the other thing that I'm hearing when you when you say that to me, which is something that we really spend a lot of time addressing in this course, is the fear that comes behind setting boundaries, right? So it could be a fear of abandonment, it could be a fear of rejection, it could be a fear of retaliation. Mm-hmm. And so there's something inside of you that needs to heal and get that strength and that reframe. Because like, if your mother-in-law can't meet you where you are and have a healthy relationship in which she respects you and she respects like the needs of your children, then you ultimately have a much bigger problem than the language that you're choosing. Mm -hmm. And so learning to respect yourself and it's okay to let people down. Like it's okay to hurt people. Your value, your number one value is your children and people don't always like boundaries, but they can handle it. Yeah, I think maybe that's it too. We don't give people enough credit sometimes, like the fear, the fear of, you know, rejection or um, I forget the other things you said, like that retaliation, that sort of thing, or that, or just even anger, like the fear of those things. Like people don't necessarily react that way. And I guess you don't know until you implement a boundary, huh? Like until you get that information and you see if I'm setting this boundary and it's important to me and I've been clear about it, how does this person respond? Yeah. And it's like really important to pay attention to the information 
that you're getting back because like we uh, having good boundaries is actually safe for many people um it makes them feel um safe to express themselves they know what to expect and they understand who you are and if they have like if you set a boundary and somebody doesn't like that boundary they have every right to not like you mm -hmm. and to be upset with you and to be mad at you but they have no right to control you and so when somebody tries to take control over you like that is really good information to have and that is a sign that you need to boundary up even more because mm -hmm. you are protecting yourself and your peace mm -hmm. and I have to say being somebody that was a recovering people pleaser I used to have like the worst boundaries and not really be able to speak up for myself and when I did finally start like finding the language to express myself and like sometimes uh, boundaries don't always have to be calm like sometimes they come with rage because people need you to speak their language if they're raging at you you rage back and sometimes when it is taking a step back, figuring out what's yours and having a conversation, when this happens, I feel triggered in order for us to move forward. This needs to change. But everybody that I've set a boundary with that has respected it, I've had a stronger relationship. We've been closer. I felt safer. Things have felt better. And the people that don't respect my boundaries um, are people that I do not miss. Um, I don't miss the stress. I don't miss bracing when they're calling my phone. I don't miss the three to four hours of bandwidth that I had to go through before I saw them trying to prepare. Like that's not something that you really want in your life, especially if you're a mom, because your job is to be healthy for you and your kid as best as you can. And I guess like we started talking about like, time is you know time is of the essence like time is the you know everyone's most valuable resource and if you're spending that time and that energy on those like unproductive relationships or those like damaging and depleting relationships like you really are shooting yourself in the foot in a way because then you can't show up the way you want to for the people who you want to who are actually like actually make you feel good <laughs> instead of like going around dealing with people who like make you feel yucky and violate your boundaries yeah, in my course, we have um, a practice called forward moving momentum, where you actually go through the system of how people make you feel and sort of decide how to boundary up based on that. But if you go on my Instagram, there's like a really easy um, practice you can do, which is like you simply draw a circle. And then think about how, how much negative space that person takes up based on the time you spend together. So you make a circle the size of the fights that you have and the bandwidth that those fights take and the pain that comes after that. And um, if your circle is like covered in smaller circles and like there's more than 40, 60%, like that's a person that like realistically you shouldn't be spending a lot of time or conversation with. If you have a circle that's like 20 to 40%, that might be a person that 
you have a relationship with, but it's casual. You're not going to call them when something great happens. They don't need to be updated on your kid's life. They don't need to know. You don't want to tell them things that are like very intimate or vulnerable to you. But then in every circle, especially in healthy relationships, maybe 10 to 15% of that is covered in smaller circles. And that's like where boundaries are safe and you don't really need to set them because that person has taken the time to understand you and to respect you or ultimately you might just be compatible Mm -hmm. but like understanding the information of how you feel um, and how that makes you feel even if it's coming from your head it's still real to you and so having that framework is really important and we do go over it in part two of the course yeah Mm -hmm. Of like as we're talking, I'm like thinking back through like different situations in my life where I'm like, oh yeah, that was like oh there was like a repeat like repeat boundary violations from that person, and like that's why that relationship had so much negativity associated with it, even if it was a small like can small boundary violations like they can add up over time. I'm guessing like some of the some of the things I'm thinking about were not like huge, and the person who I'm thinking of. Um, made me feel like I was making a big deal out of something. And mm-hmm. it was like, well, I didn't feel safe in that situation. And they were like, well, you you were safe. I kept you safe. It's like, but I didn't feel safe when you did X, Y, Z. It was like a situation like in a, in a car because I've had like a car accident history where I've been a passenger. And like sometimes driving with people can be difficult for me if I don't like trust their driving <laughs> or know them. And yeah, it was like the person made me feel like that was that was a stupid sort of thing to worry about and when I expressed it like multiple times it was disregarded multiple times a lot of what you're saying is reminding me of the phrase like when people show you who they are believe them yeah. Maya Angelou yeah is She's that Maya Angelou yeah, of course it's Maya Angelou of course it is because she says so many brilliant things yeah that to me like day in and day out and it's so true yeah it's so true. It's so true. And sometimes I think we we see what we want to see in a person and we ignore things sometimes and we ignore our own boundaries and values until we do like reach a tipping point or a breaking point sometimes. It's tough. Oh man. So that first, okay, the first sentence, because I think you're right, like that first statement, that first like articulation of a boundary is the hardest to get out. So do you have some like like key phrases that people can just like plug and play and be like when and I guess like when this happened it made me when you know when x happened it made me feel y is like a common one um is that like sort of the best roadmap to use or are there other ones the point is when you set a boundary it comes from a place of i mm-hmm. so we'll stay with the car example when you talk to that person you can go you did this And it made me and I and because of that, my whole day was ruined and it attacked the person. And sometimes you if it's like physical danger and that's your limbic response, you just have to have grace with yourself because sometimes rage is the appropriate thing. Mm -hmm. But if it's a conversation later, you speak from a place of I. So you address a behavior or you address what has happened without saying you did it when this happened 
And then you either add your thought or your feeling to it. So you take responsibility for how you feel. And then you don't take control of the other person's behavior. You just, you already should know the consequence of your boundary before you have the conversation. So if this isn't followed, this is the consequence. Um, but you can't actually control whether or not they follow that. You just have to know, like, this is what I'm willing to sacrifice if that happens again. Because sacrificing yourself isn't going to be the solution. No, it's not. It's like the long-term, like whatever the opposite of solution is. It's like the long-term like recipe for disaster because yeah, then those, if those boundaries are getting broken and you're kind of diminishing your own needs and your own like worth in that way. So like if I had said to this person, because it's, I find it hard sometimes to not use the word you when I'm saying things. So would it be like, at that point in our drive um, where your hands like weren't on the wheel of the car, like weren't on the steering wheel, I felt, I felt unsafe and da, 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 da. Like it's hard to, you know, it's almost like, but when you took your hands off the steering wheel. (laughs) Well, I mean, listening to this situation in particular, unless you're in a self-driving Tesla, Mm -hmm. reaction like any type of adverse reaction to you saying, keep your hands on the steering wheel seems insane to me. (laughs) Like that doesn't seem rooted in reality. So I'm sorry that that happened to you. But like, I think that if the behavior is you taking the hands off the steering wheel, when you took the hands, your hands off the steering wheel, I felt afraid, like my life was threatened And in reality, your life is threatened if there is a moving vehicle and there's no hands on a steering wheel. Like that is a legitimate fear. Mm -hmm. And so I think the boundary would be not to get in the car if they don't understand that behavior, you know, not Mm -hmm. don't get in the car again. Or in the future, if we're going somewhere together, I will be driving safety it's tricky because I feel like too a lot of things we can say that a lot of things are safety related especially like in motherhood and early motherhood where it's like well don't do this because it's not safe for the baby or I don't you know this doesn't feel safe and sometimes I I guess I wonder or worry whether I am or you know or moms in general are not overemphasizing but or blowing it a proportion but like if everything becomes a safety concern then that postpartum, like the anxiety and all that stuff, because you're like we talked about earlier, you're you're physiologically different than you were before you gave birth and before you grew this human and you have this like mama bear instinct. And it's hard to, I find hard to differentiate sometimes where like, when is, is this my anxiety and mama bear instinct? Or is this like a reasonable boundary that I can and should be setting? Yeah, I mean, we I have a framework that we go over in the second part of the course where we really figure out what is true and what isn't true. Mm. Something that I will say is that if you struggle with boundaries, there is a level of compassion that you need to find for yourself because there, there's something deeper in your psyche that is that you you're what I'm hearing from you is even though my life, the consequence could have been my life, that maybe I was wrong 
and just listen to that back. If that person killed me, if the con if their action was my death, um, or even just my pain, I am wrong for speaking up about that. Like there has to be something deeper in you that is believing that your your life is less important than them feeling uncomfortable. Like because when you put it that way, it's like yeah, it sounds so absurd, so absurd. Yeah. Reverse it like that. Oh so there has to be something deeper, and we spend a lot of time addressing that in part one, because right. a lot of re- a lot of times when we don't have boundaries, there's a deeper mm-hmm. belief that needs to be reframed. Because mm-hmm. your life is very valuable, and it should be respected. Right, and if somebody in your life isn't valuing it, or isn't valuing things that are important to you, or that you've expressed are important, then yeah. Um, I have done, this was, you know, this situation that I've just described to you was something that happened years ago now. So I've, I can say I've done a lot of work in the meantime, and I think I'm a lot better at setting boundaries now, but like looking back on like where I was at, at that time, it's like, yep, that actually makes total sense. It makes total sense. And when you think about it, like when you're a child, you don't really have a lot of space to set boundaries like say that was your parent and they drove erratically yeah. what are you gonna go to school what are you gonna do upset the person that feeds you like what are you going to do um and so if that was a situation that you developed in your childhood your limbic system is always going to remember that and it's going to make it harder to speak up And then being a mother, it's like boundaries are twice as important because you need to model for that child if they saw that happening to you, Mm -hmm. that they would know if that happened to them, that they could speak up, Mm -hmm. you know? Like ding, 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 because that's like such a huge, such a huge one. I feel like not only are like our babies and our kids are our best like teachers and, and reflectors back to us, but they serve as like this huge sort of inspiration or drive to strengthen those kinds of like aspects of our lives like to set better boundaries to model like what we actually want to be modeling and realizing that like well this is not a healthy dynamic I don't want to be modeling this for my child so what do I need to do to shift that dynamic one of the other things that I'm curious about and that I'm expecting a lot of people struggle with is the holding of the boundary so and you said something really interesting before, which was that you need to go into setting a boundary, like knowing what your what your actions and what your behavior is going to be if it's violated. Honor it. But of course, people don't always. Okay, so what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? You need to know what the consequence is ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And as soon as someone crosses that boundary, the consequence happens right you're not allowed to punish other people unless they're your kids sometimes you have to but you remove yourself from the situation or you remove the access that that person has to you and ultimately that's all you can do and sometimes it's a little more sticky like an example I hear a lot from women is cleaning and I've had that issue in my life and I've had to have a conversation where it went like this Hey, we had this agreement that I would do that I would clean X, Y, and Z, and you would clean X, Y, and Z. And they at first felt threatened. 
And then it went to, well, I'm going through a really hard time right now. And I was hearing them, but then I went, well, yeah, I'm also going through a really hard time right now. And that's why I need you to step up. But you have to know what level of accountability and what that looks like. And it's going to be different for every person. I know people that just having a hard conversation will tear them apart. Mm -hmm. And I know people that like the only way that they can learn is like being screamed at. That's the only way that it'll even like, that's the language that they speak Mm -hmm. and anything calmer than that. They just think like I'm in control and this person is being ridiculous, you know? Yeah. And I guess, like you say, like, it's going to be different, like what's going to be appropriate. It's going to be different for different people. And obviously like makes sense. Then it would be like age appropriate too. Like you're not going to set a consequence or expect accountability from a from a seven-year-old the way you would from a, from a a peer or an adult. Another tip that I have is that like, you don't over explain yourself. That's so hard. Yeah. Okay. Say more, say more, but that's so hard to do. (laughs) If I really have is pause and take a breath. Like sometimes when people ask me to do something, I'll just say, no, I can't do that. And then just yeah, then just let it sit. See how you immediately filled that space? Yeah. It's very much such a human like instinct, right? Like when there's silence. So I guess that's like part of the trick or one of the habits maybe is to be like, no, I can't do that. And then if yeah. you are so practiced at being like, and then I stop talking, yeah. then there's going to be silence and that other person will start talking and probably say, oh, okay, that's okay. Yeah. I'm Don't not worry about it or whatever. Hmm. Um, and I really like that. I'm going to like, hang on to what you said there that like, you're not raising a child, you're raising an adult because it really just kind of like encaps- encapsulates the whole, like, what are we modeling? What are we, what are we teaching them? What are we showing them? Kids and like people, I feel like don't learn what we tell them with, we, they learn what we show them. And one of the other things, so like the, the, like, it doesn't always have to be mean. It doesn't always have to be, you know, harsh. And the, I saw this online the other day, like the root, probably the Latin like root of the word discipline is disciple. And that means like to teach, like not Mm -hmm. to punish, but to teach. So like discipline should be about teaching and helping that person to grow and like teaching them what, yeah, what they need to do to get access to you, what they need to do to, to have certain things in their life, to have certain people in their life. This is, this is what I'm teaching you. Yeah. And there's a different, there's a difference between like control and manipulating and um, like boundaries and persuasion, right? I can persuade someone to sort of match my lifestyle, but I can't expect them to. If I try to control them, which as a parent, you do have, like, we all follow laws. And so you do have to control your kid to a point. But if you try to stay in the control part of your action and behavior, it's going to end up with resentment and a lack of safety. And the people around you are going to shut down and it turns into the fawn response and it becomes a generational thing. Whereas if you can persuade a child to which one sounds better to you (laughs) and the boundary is that you're cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. I've done, I feel like that's one of my, that's one of my go-tos with my toddler. It's like, okay, it's time to brush your teeth. 
do you want to brush them or would you like me to brush them? <laughs> like your teeth are getting brushed one way or another. Um, mm-hmm. Like here are your, here are your options. But then, yeah, the boundary is kind of maybe not even implicitly, like explicitly stated by, by the presentation of those options. Um, can you say more about the like manipulation versus persuasion? Okay. Yeah. So then what is, when does it stray into manipulation and like, what can we, what can we like signs can we look out for if we feel like somebody may be trying to manipulate us? So there are like physical signs. Um, so like feeling constantly on edge, hypervigilant, if you're getting chronic stress, pain, anxiety, depression, or autoimmune disorders, like that, those are good indicators that you are being manipulated. Like anytime your body is giving you signals that are dysregulating, you're like, oh, this doesn't feel good. And if you're having to second guess yourself a lot, like, especially if we have a traumatic background, fear is pretty normal and you do have to start looking through a different spectrum or a different lens. But generally, if you're like a healthy, well-adjusted person, listen to the signals that your body is giving you, watch the way you're responding. If you're starting to shake, if your breath is getting shallow, if you are always feeling like a little bit tense, like that's an idea that you're manipulating, you're being manipulated. And if you're feeling like fear, resentment, content, or stuck or frozen, it's like, "Mm, maybe not. Right. Whereas sometimes things push your boundaries, but they're good for you. And that's persuasion. So you might feel like excitement. It's weird because they feel pretty similar. Like you might feel like excited, but a little bit scared, but you feel intrigued. Um, You might not feel confident, but you feel interested physically. You might feel excited. So you're standing up a little bit stronger. You're like a little bit more aware and engaged and, um, there's a difference and it's subtle, but it's there. And when someone is persuading you, it's something that's going to be good for you. It might not feel good in the beginning, but it's going to feel good for you in the end. If someone is manipulating you, it might feel good for you, but bad in the end, or it might feel bad for you, but good for them. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Okay. I feel like that's also sort of begets the like the deeper practice or issue of like tuning into our bodies because a lot of us are really disconnected from our bodies which in a way is super ironic as a mom because you've like your body has been through so much and like you've you've experienced so many you know processes and and feelings and and things going on in your body that you'd never have before and and yet it's still really hard I think sometimes to to connect in and to like to even hear those signs and then to like know what they mean when you're hearing them. Cause I think sometimes I'll feel like, Oh, I, I feel like my chest is a little bit tight. Like I'm sure I'm, my breath is a bit more shallow, but like, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> does that mean I'm excited or does that mean I'm scared? Um, maybe it just means to like pay attention and see how it, see how else it feels. I mean, when you're feeling any sensation, your body's grounding you to come back in mm. and it's different for different people. This is one of the reasons why I like to work with people in small groups and one-on-one. For someone that's disassociated, just feeling their body is going to be like a really big deal, right? Yeah. Um, for someone that has a lot of anxiety, 
anxiety and a lot of like fear. I find looking into symbolism and like, um, like going into the abstract can be really unhealthy. And I would recommend for them to just stay with the sensation. What is the sensation? How can I get back to feeling regulated? Can I make a decision from a regulated place? Mm-hmm. If you feel dysregulated, don't make a decision. I don't really, anytime somebody puts a lot of pressure on me, I always step away and go, I'll get back to you. Um, But then for somebody that doesn't have a lot of anxiety and is very like, um, is very stoic, I might ask for them to start to track the sensations in their body and sort of notice when, why does my, does your neck always hurt when you're around a certain person? What are the activities that you're doing that's causing pain and anxiety and tracking and actually trying to find meaning in your body signals? But it's gonna be different for each different person. Even just finding a relationship with being able to feel yourself can be a lot, especially because disassociation is a really good survival mechanism, but we wanna be able to turn it on and off, right? 100%. If you feel yourself, like, you know, you're starting to get dysregulated, are there Mm. ways to kind of bring yourself back down? Yeah, I would say, like, the first thing that I I always say is just like, the physiological side, just two sips of air in through your nose, one full breath out of your mouth, a few times like that, really quickly. I think stepping away and doing things with your tongue, as strange as that, that sounds, okay. your tongue really close to your brainstem. And so something like clicking your tongue in the top of your mouth. Um, we I go over this in my course because there's like a certain pattern that you do it in, or like licking around the inside of your mouth, something that um just brings you back into your physical body can be really regulating and it's nice because your tongue's so close to your brain stem which is where your limbic system roots um i also find just orienting yourself in space so like the five four three two one method is really good mm-hmm. five things you can see and then four things that you can touch so you're touching what's around you and like i'm physically in space in the space that i exist in mm-hmm. three things that you can here um two things that you can smell and then um, one thing that you can taste but like physically orienting yourself in your senses can be really grounding Mm -hmm. and like it just creates a little bit of space between you and what's going on in your mind and brings it back to your body because ultimately your body your limbic system it's like 5,000 years older um, than your practical, like your mm. cortex in the front of your brain, which is responsible for like emotional modulation and cooperation. So if your limbic system is firing, it's faster and it's stronger and it is not practical. It's just like the blind leading the blind. It's like, I hear a signal, I react to that signal. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to regulate out of the limbic brain and into the upper levels of your brain by getting into your physical body is a really good thing, whether that's tongue work, breathing, movement, a quick walk. Yeah. 
yeah try to associate into your body and not like out into your phone or like out into other people giving you advice like come learning to have that relationship with yourself takes a long time yeah yeah oh man I feel that so much because there's been a lot of times I think that you know when something like happens sometimes my first reaction is to be like I need to call this friend or that friend and see what they think like what should I what do I do now instead of like stopping and checking in and being like what is how does this make me feel? What do I, like, what do I want to do? And it can be even, even with those good, like think, talking about checking in with like good friends who I know and trust and have like, you know, very solid relationships with, but even still it's that looking outward rather than inward that I think yeah. is a hard habit to break sometimes. There is a difference between trust and truth, right? Mm. So trust that the people around me love me and have the best interests in mind for me, but my truth might be completely different to what they think. And so having trust and truth in yourself, so really really sticking to the facts of your feelings, your thoughts, what actually happened, and understanding that first, you can always go to people for reflection and advice. I mean, I have a whole team of people that I, I have coaches, I have a therapist, I have like, I have a whole team. Um, I have trusted friends and family members, but ultimately every decision comes from like my trust and my truth. And that's scarier because when things go wrong, I don't get to blame anyone else, right. but it's like, it's more powerful and it keeps you more in alignment with what you want. Yeah. I guess that's it. Like that's going to lead you to longer term alignment with like who you truly are, what your values truly are. If you're, even if things don't happen to work out if you've made a decision that was that felt aligned for you and like I need to set a boundary with this person this does not feel good I'm not you know I'm not happy with with this situation or whatever it might not end well like that person might react they might retaliate they might cut you out they might speak ill of you to like your mutual friends or your other family members but yeah but if it's coming from your truth I guess you're full of gems holy Maddie trust and truth that's such a good one Thank you so much. Like that's landing really nicely. Thank you for that compliment. Yeah. It's one of the things that's scary is that when you, when you trust yourself and you make a mistake, you do have to go to the next step of learning to forgive yourself because we make mistakes. If you don't trust yourself and you make a mistake, not only do you have to forgive yourself, but you're going to spend a lot of time resenting yourself for not listening to your intuition and your impulses. And so like, I, I want women and humans to be able to skip over the resentment part because we're all doing the best, like our best with the, um, information that we have it's like very difficult um something is like being an abuse survivor and working with abuse survivors it's like you might be having an experience and suspecting that something's off but it's like a fish swimming around and being like why am I here and then one day it clicks and you're like because I'm in water and the abuse is water. Mm-hmm. When people aren't respecting your boundaries and you're feeling dysregulated, mm-hmm. that's that's the water and you're the fish. So you're, you don't know why you don't feel good, mm-hmm. but it's because 
you're not connected to yourself and your truth. And it usually is from just like a fear. It's the fawn response. Yeah. And like, obviously there's, there's no bad time to do this kind of work um, and to sort of do this self-reflection, but it feels particularly poignant. Like when it comes to, you know, anytime like around the new year and the holidays, it feels like a really good check-in time to be like, what is working for me? Like what is not working for me? Are there relationships or boundaries or like things where I don't feel aligned or are that are super draining? And that resentment is so draining. Like when you talk about how much time and energy that takes up. And one thing that I really like, I think is extremely important is action with insight. Because when you have action without insight, it's like running in quicksand. You know, like if you don't, it's the same as like, if I wanted to lose weight in the new year and I was like, I'm going to work out for an hour a day, every day. And like, I'm not looking at realistically what my schedule is looking like. I don't know anything about my physical body. I didn't think of hiring a personal trainer. I was just like, this is what I want and I'm going to do it. (laughs) And when setting boundaries, it's the same thing. Like I can set crazy boundaries with everybody around me, but like if they don't have a sensical pattern to them, if I don't know the reason why, Mm -hmm. and I don't understand why I'm not doing them, um, it's just going to be like in a month, I'm just going to go back to how I was because my whole life is going to be up in flames and I don't know why, you know? Yeah. I think too, sometimes with all the different, all the different things that we like see online and like people telling us how to, how to live better, happier lives. Sometimes like there is a temptation to kind of throw yourself into something and be like, okay, I need to do this. And if I do this, I'll feel better. So here I go. I'm going to set a whole bunch of boundaries. And it's like, that's not actually bound. Yeah. Boundary setting just, you know, ad hoc without intention is not actually going to get you to a happier, more sort of content place. Yeah. Something that I really, was really important to me in my course is that when you go through the course and you write the book and you go through each of the different modules, you get a clear map almost to your soul and to yourself and the way you think and you learn to understand yourself. So you have a really deep relationship and confidence and love for who you are. And so I could have 10 women in my course and all of their boundaries are gonna look different. All of their language is gonna look different. And what they, how they change from start to finish is gonna look different, but they're gonna have the individual framework that fits for them. And they'll be able to open the book a year from now and still have that as a reference point, but also know if they wanted to go over the course again, like if their boundaries needed to be adjusted or they had different goals and dreams based on the shift in their life, they could go through the course again and it would feel good, you know? Right. It's going to be different every time, I suppose, because you're you're going to be the you who shows up in that course at that time is going to be different than the you who showed up last time. Yeah. Like I have some relationships that like I've had to step away and set really rigid boundaries and it's so, so, so painful. And my goal is to be well enough in my limbic system and confident enough that if that relationship has to come back in my life for some reason, I'm healthy enough to handle it. Right. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. Whereas I have um, most relationships that I've set not so rigid boundaries and I haven't had to, 
Mm-hmm. It's like I show up and I show up in like such a casual way that it doesn't feel like there's boundaries there. It's just a natural conversation of somebody that has gotten to know who I actually am versus who I've been masking to like survive. Oh man, so many masks, huh? We're all walking around with so many masks on all the time. And it's, yeah, it takes, I think, some some courage and some like honesty to start like putting those down and be like, actually, this is who I am. This is what I want. I think it's a misconception that masks are bad. Oh, okay. In a lot of ways, like I, I do believe in you should be your authentic self, but there are a lot of people that are authentically complete assholes and <laughs> Fish. And there are genuinely evil people in this world and narcissistic and psychopathic people. Mm-hmm. And the masks that we keep are social norms that keep our societies in order. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's just, we live in such a dual, dual time with so many extremes, mm-hmm. but like manners are important. Mm-hmm. consideration is important protecting yourself is an, is important you don't want to be open and vulnerable and and all of your emotional self to everybody in this world they don't need to know that part of you like the lady at the grocery store does not need to know your relationship problems mm-hmm. and personality and your true self or yeah. is it a mask that like you say sort of helps helps society run like yeah when the lady at the cash register asks how my day is going. I don't have to tell her why it might be a real shit day. <laughs> I can, I can just say my day's okay. Thanks. How's yours? I'm like, that's okay. <laughs> um, and if you, like you have an emotional bond with, with this human, like you can, mm-hmm. but masks can be like, I, I often say the way we show up for people is how we respect them. And so like, if I, like, I am a somatic educator and I have a studio in my home, which already requires me to have a lot of boundaries. But for me, my house is always clean because it's a level of respect that I have for my clients. Because can you imagine if they came in and I was my authentic self, which can be pretty messy. And like, sometimes I don't want to wear yoga clothes. I could just wear pajamas to work. But it's like, how would somebody that's paying me money to like give them these frameworks, even though I'm completely capable of it, like it doesn't change the information that I have available and the work that I've done. But like that level of respect of like putting on my professional mask of wearing my Lululemons and having a clean studio and like not cursing throughout the session or these little things Mm -hmm. it's a level of respect it's when you're somebody that's completely not yourself that it's like this mask isn't serving me you know what I mean Mm -hmm. if I if that was causing me resentment then it would be like well maybe this isn't the profession for you (laughs) you know Yeah, right I guess that's it if you feel like I have to put this mask on again I have to go do this again today to do my job as opposed to this feels like the respectful appropriate thing to do to show up as my professional self I was I was afraid when you were speaking before I was afraid you were going to say that a clean house is like how you show respect to yourself and I was like oh no my house is my house is like cluttered (laughs) and all the stuff and I was like oh but that's like it just is sometimes and like life yeah life is life and it depends how much anxiety you give it gives you right like I was I actually regret I was talking to someone about this the other day and I said having a clean space is is a is self-respect but it depends on what your life looks like if you 
have kids, it's almost impossible. And it might be, it's the amount of pressure that you put on yourself has a lot to do with self-respect, right? Mm -hmm. Me, I like to have a clean house. I'm a very busy person. I don't have a lot of time. So the respect is hiring a cleaner to come twice a month, right? And taking the pressure off of me. Cause if I'm don't have a clean house and I'm beating myself up about it, like that isn't, that is where the disrespect is. And for some people, just especially if you come from a hypervigilant or perfectionist background, it might be really healing to have a messed up house for a while and just it is what it is. This is why it's so important that we don't just blatantly take advice from the internet and we find people that feel in alignment with us and we feel respected and seen to work with us if we want support through problems because salt and sugar looks the same, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, meditation is great. Meditation isn't super great for people with PTSD because you shouldn't just leave them in their brain. Mm-hmm. may be great for one person and it might really mess up another person's limbic system a diet that works for one person isn't going to work for the other so understanding those values and those systems at the start are kind of is kind of the point of doing personal growth right yeah Gosh. and one thing that I feel like you've mentioned it's sort of like been woven like throughout our discussion is that like the importance of self-compassion self-compassion I think for moms there's just so much it's actually shocking how much mom guilt there is for everything it's like well if I'm cleaning you feel guilt because you should be playing with your child and if you're playing with your child you feel like you should be cleaning or cooking or doing you know whatever other things and so just like getting getting that self-compassion piece I think in there uh, it could be really helpful too absolutely yeah it's it's difficult like acceptance is so difficult and it acceptance for like a mom and compassion for a mom is going to look different than compassion for a single person like if I go into a single unemployed person's house and it looks like three kids live there like I'm gonna have to look and go okay there's something deeper going on like I think you might be depressed or like there's something like physically you you have the time and the bandwidth to clean and like have a good space for yourself there might be a problem here you might want to explore I'm not really big on giving people help unless they ask me but those might be quiet judgments that I have in myself whereas if I go over to my friend's house and they have three kids and it's a disaster the only thing I can, I'm gonna think is like I should help this person you know what I mean they have <laughs> oh, like this person clearly needs a hand <laughs> you know? and so it's like with moms there has to be so much compassion and I think kids can be a really good mirror because it's like, would I want my kid to think like this? Would I want my kid to show up stressed? Mm -hmm. Do I want my kid to like repeat these patterns and behaviors? Because every time you show up for yourself and you heal yourself, you are showing up and breaking generational chains for your children. 100%. 100%. Oh my gosh. Before we wrap up, Maddie, I want people to know how they can how they can reach you, where they can find you, where can they, where can we find you online? Yeah. So I am um, the website to register is www.maddielikestomove.com slash boundary babe. Um, on Instagram, I'm Maddie likes to move M-A-D-I likes to move. That's a, the somatic side. And then the boundary babe is at the dot boundary dot babe. 
And if you just Google Maddie likes to move, it's going to pop up. And yeah, that's where you can find me. And you've got a course that's open for registration right now or opening up soon? It's open for registration. Um, and you uh, here's how it works. You go onto the website. You set up a discovery call. We're going to talk with each other and see if we're the right fit for each other. Mm -hmm. Super important. Uh, I have payment plans available. Um, and then we go into, you'll start to get the coursework um, on January 14th. Five weeks on, it runs three weeks off, five weeks on again. So we'll end mid-April. And um, it's an intense course but it's something that you can do. Um, it only takes about two, two and a half hours a week if you're including the meditations. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all you have to do is just book a call, send me an email. If you're on Instagram, you can send me a voice note. Um, I have pretty strong boundaries around social media, but I will get back to you in the next couple <laughs> days. That's awesome. And I guess you have to like, you have to demonstrate your boundaries too all the time. You're like, I'm the boundary babe. So if people don't see me <laughs> honoring my boundaries like that says something too. I'm never going to judge you. The reason why I made this course is because I literally have the worst boundaries ever, like the worst boundaries. So when I'm telling you like, this is the Alan Carr's easy way to have boundaries. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, well, thanks so much for coming in to chat today. I've really, really enjoyed our talk. I feel like this has been like, we've covered so much valuable stuff. So thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me and like have a wonderful Christmas season. Thank you. This has been the days are long podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. And before you go, if you've enjoyed this episode of the pod or any of the other episodes you've listened to, please click the share button and share this episode to your social media. You can do this directly from the app that you're using to listen to this episode right now. Shares on social media and reviews in Spotify and Apple Podcasts really do make a difference. They help us expand our reach in search results, and they help us reach more great listeners like you who might enjoy our show. And remember, yes, the days are long and the years are short, but don't forget the days are sometimes effing long, so let's be here for each other. We got this. Bye!